Hello and welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10, an EVE Online Small Gang PvP podcast. This is episode 31. We've got a full panel of people tonight for a conversation, uh, and it's pretty special because we'll just go down the list. We have two members of CCP, CCP Fozzie and CCP Signal. Say hello, guys. Hey, hey. Thanks for having us. And Satoni's here. He's returning, returning guest. Yeah, thanks for having me back again. And then last but last not least, uh, Blood Ruin's back for this episode. So hey, say hi, Blood, and maybe say what you've been up to. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I've just been, um, you know, Pharaoh's been doing a fantastic job, but uh, real-life stuff has kind of taken priority the last few months. Um, I work in medical supply uh, sourcing, so <laughs> that's been quite the challenge recently. And uh, just kind of been stepping away from a few things to make sure that, you know, I can handle uh, my my own, like, kind of real-life stuff that's going on and stay in a good spot mentally. And, um, yeah, so, but I'm, I'm excited to be here this episode and hang out and talk and uh, explore some of the new things that are coming up that uh, are super interesting and pretty chaotic. So it'll be fun. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for coming back. Anytime. He's welcome anytime. You can just <laughs> pop on. <laughs> so, so, like, uh, what have you guys been up to lately? Because I know I've been flying. So, first of all, I got a shield icky and high-grade snakes donated to me, which was pretty cool. So, Dethonex, thanks. He he gave me this shield icky that I had talked about a while ago, except it was, like, max abyssal rolled. Pretty ball and ship. So, I flew that on stream one night. And then I roamed with it um, off stream as well. So it's already up to like 15, 16 kill marks. And uh, really strong. You guys know how I feel about the shield dicky for roaming. I don't know. That's about about it. I've been I've been having some fun streaming. It's so infrequent. But uh, every time I do it, it's very enjoyable. So I'll probably try to do that more. Um, and i kind of been playing a few other games recently. Like my life's pretty busy right now. And uh, I've just been keeping fame art stocked in Thera. And, and roaming a little bit, but I need to do a little more. How about you guys? Yeah, most of my most of my Eve time recently has been in the Proving Grounds. Uh, uh, kind of uh, unsurprisingly, considering that uh, Signal and I both worked on that feature, uh, we've been pretty <laughs> active, uh, hopping on and uh, trying it out, uh, also, both for fun and also to get a good feel for what's going on with it and how people are enjoying it and what type of stuff people are flying. Um, other than Eve, uh, I got back into um, Slate Aspire again just recently, and that's been eating up a ton of my time. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've just I've turned into this workaholic, I guess, in the past year. And <laughs> Fossey always joked that we I am an overachieving engineer who does features for other teams as well. <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of shit uh, in the past year, like eat, eat filaments, the sappy boy, Wartron projector weapon, the proving ground. So. And I've been just enjoying playing a lot of a lot of Eve as well. Like be really enjoying uh, killing you nerds in the proving grounds and getting a feel for you know for everything 
uh, like um, what formats we should be doing and what's working and what's not working. I think it's really important that we know our product so you know, to to give you the best experience. It's actually an interesting point. Like, do you guys think there's ever been a feature that CCP pushed out where the devs had such an active response to playing with it? Um, because, like, I've seen you guys and other devs in there a ton, and I mean, there was devs on the top 100. They're like, it, it's it's not like you guys are just toe dipping in this feature. There's there's several of you who are throwing into it very seriously, right? So. Would you say it's it's the most like dev played feature ever? Or <laughs> I think Fossey would have to answer that. Good question. Um, I think there's probably like there's some features that you don't see the devs play as much. Like I know that some of the folks that were working on the F or the um, uh, PI or PP uh, planetary production <laughs> uh, updates uh, a few like a, two years ago or something like that. They were playing that a ton at that time, but of course you can't see it. Um, and we always have a lot of people playing those kind of features. Uh, last time uh, I got to work on FW, I've been, I was playing a lot of FW, and I have been uh, since then too. That's probably the uh, the area of the game that I kind of play most consistently over over long periods of time. Um, but uh, with this one, it's both an area where a lot of devs or a number of us have been playing a lot of, and also because of the fact that now people we can play publicly on characters that are known, it's very visible. Uh, if this had happened two years ago, we would have had to do this on secret characters, and nobody would have known. Yeah. I definitely, fair. after, I, like, I like poured my heart out into the Yeet filaments as well, like the reindeer filaments before Christmas. Like I wanted to get something cool for Christmas, and Rice had had this awesome idea, and we were like, like we we knew that we were ourselves gonna play it a lot, and we played it like a ton over Christmas. Like I, I don't think I played as much Evo over Christmas ever. That's nice. I, I've often extended it to him, but same with you guys. I'll do it on air. If you guys, I'd love to to do some eat rooms with you guys sometimes because. Uh... Those, those filaments are awesome, and I've used them a ton as well. And yeah, like just grabbing a ship in Jita and getting right into it is super fun. So Sounds good. Yeah, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm glad you're uh, enjoying them. Some, I mean, sometimes we use them to just escape, right? Like I'm sure, Satonia, you probably use them the same, like when you start getting camped into a pocket, and then you just bounce safes and, and eat yeah. it. It's pretty satisfying. It was definitely one of our design goals, or whatever you want to call it, like... You know that there's so often that people just like the thing you do there is you lock off and we don't want you to stop playing e we want you to continue so it's a great way to just continue the roam. yeah yeah and the, the good thing about that right is it doesn't actually detract from those other guys too because they also achieve their objective of getting you to leave their space so exactly. everyone wins and in those scenarios because it doesn't allow you to use it while you've got the timer you would have logged off anyway so if they could have caught yeah. you before you logged off then they can catch you before you eat out yeah yeah. And not going to lie, it, it can be pretty spicy or like getting like a 10 man roam to all land in the safe at around the same time when they have probes out. They've been probing you for like 10 minutes, you know, to like get everyone to land without a timer and, yeah. and you know, and get the yeet off before the, the probes land on you. It can be kind of spicy, I guess. <laughs> and then you have that one guy who doesn't uh, break his involves. You have to like stay yeah. around for another 10 seconds. <laughs> or the or the guy that like had died and is on his way back to Thera in a pod like seven systems over and he didn't leave fleet. Oh no. Stuff like that. It's pretty funny. 
Cool. So let's like dive into the proving grounds. Um, so I did the 2v2 pretty hard. I just missed top 100. We were just chatting about that before recording started, but I had like 84 wins, I think. Um, I didn't play that many games. I just won quite a bit. Like I think my win rate was around 80%. Um, I lost towards the last That's day. Really I lost. Yeah, like I, I did really, really, really well. We were flying these bellicose was my main ship, the, the one kite, one tank. And then you just kind of manually pilot the tanky one without a prop. Uh, in the way so that hopefully it gets tackled and then you heat your invulns and it's like a 60k EHP brick while the kiting one has dual paints and a prop so he kites off and and paints the thing and then your heavy missiles apply quite well so that was the that was our our biggest strategy but um yeah it was around 80 percent and the average average player also does not switch targets like are so invested in shooting that same target Yep, that's and and that comp the easy way to do it was to just ignore the like you wait and as soon as you see paints you just call out who's painting you or you can wait to if you're really keen you could wait to see who props but we would kind of hold the prop mod in the paints for that reason. Um yeah, so anyway, it was I I did that a ton. I did not do the 5v5 once. Um I was getting getting back into roaming a bunch of my core. The 5 man free for free for all you mean? The 5 Yeah, sorry, sorry, the, the 5 man free for all. Yes. Did not do that one at all. And the slicer one I also haven't done. So let's uh, let's hear you guys' experience with that. I loved the 2v2. It was amazing. Uh, I, I threw myself into it. Most of my gameplay time went to that. Yeah, I uh, I played quite a bit of the 2v2 uh, cruisers. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, a number of couple of CCPers made it onto the top 100, and I was one of them. Uh, then uh, and then yeah we were flying like we changed it up a lot but uh probably uh a lot of the kind of meta um uh, rapid light caracals and autocannon stabbers a lot of those uh was what we were kind of flying around with nice fun ships that lead to fast fights then i played some of the destroyer uh not enough to get on the leaderboard at that point i needed to take a bit of a, a break put a bit less time at eve because i put so much time in with the cruisers and uh, then I've been playing a little bit of the uh, slicers. Slicers, obviously, for anyone who's playing this weekend, will will realize it's uh, been a significantly lower population in there. Uh, so it's been harder to get the uh, get the matches with good timers. Yeah, and I, I as well played a lot of the two v two. Made it to the somewhere in the middle edge of the leaderboard. I won't say exactly, and because uh, my character is in public. Uh, but uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that, and that's definitely like that was the format that like I remember Fossey asking me, so what preference would you have for the first format? And I was just like two v two cruisers. That's what I want. Like I think that's gonna be the best. And and of course the free for all, which we did the the right after as well. Like these two formats, we were pretty sure were gonna be the the most uh, get the highest activity for. Uh, I did not have time to play the. Desi's the free for all because uh, I had a like th that weekend we had it on is a like a really popular weekend in Iceland like where everyone goes camping it's like a basically yeah, it's a holiday a, weekend it's a holiday weekend basically like, it's a long weekend and uh, I had took the family to a summer house so I I just didn't participate because I knew I wasn't gonna get on the <laughs> leaderboard and I had done some of it on CC already so I knew the gist of the we had done testing of it before and. Uh, but yeah, the slicers, of course, like Fozzy was saying, are not a huge success. Uh, but we're gonna have some of these. I think we're, we're trying, like when we're trying out the different formats, we're doing these, uh, like 
we're gonna have some mis like mishaps or what do you want to call it? Like There's gonna be some that are more popular, some that are less popular, and basically. a lot of what we're doing is trying to test out what uh, what factors feed into that, so we can eventually get a larger variety of of good formats instead of just having to rely on doing the two v two cruisers every week. I think mm -hmm. like what it kind of narrows down to me is when you kind of restrict a format to like one ship, it it kind of creates a very specific type, right? And, and obviously, so slicers, um, you can do a lot of different fitting options, but you know that it's going to be, you know, EM thermal damage. You know a lot more information going in. And so mm -hmm. it's like it kind of restricts meta and choicing in a lot of ways. So it's like it's a cool idea and it's like cool to experiment with. And I think like it's good to try those kinds of things long term and but like i think that might be kind of where that issue is is you just are running into um situations where there's not enough flexibility that you get when you have you know 2v2 cruisers which is a much more broad format and people can do a lot more choice you know yeah we were yeah, think, we, uh, we've been we were talking a lot about this and trying to figure out like what what is the actual issue here? Why why don't we have people playing it? And I'd really like to hear as well what Setonia and Feral think about it. Oh, I think each one of your uh, events so far have sort of been targeted to a different demographic. So, like the Cruiser Two V Two was really popular among like competitive PVPers or people who just PVP for fun and want to like strive to be the best and fly their ships the best. With the FFA, I think it was like a lot more fun for ca the casual audience. Just people who want to queue up and have some super interesting experience, where you know they win an FFA in a dragoon with no prop or something, and they just get this like weird thing happen, and that's super fun too. And then the slice of 3v3, the people I've seen the most excited about it were like theory crafters like Kadesh, Priestess, and a bunch of other people who love to theory craft stuff, not necessarily fly super often on Tiki, although I know Kadesh undocks quite a bit nowadays. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. Like the the slicer one. I mean, it, not everyone's going to come in with with a bonus weapon system, right? There's that aspect as well. They could throw auto cannons on it or whatever. Yeah, right? that's what's been happening. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think Cable lost a pretty expensive one. Like, or oh, did he survive in five percent structure or something? I can't remember. Uh, he died in that, but they, his team won. That was against. Um... Uh, I beat uh, Lucy Lu and yeah. um, uh, two CC peers, Deadlift and uh, Alpha. Nice, yeah. Like, so that kind of. So anyway, I kind of agree with Satonia's uh, uh, his philosophy on on the three different ones. Definitely, the two v two was my jam. Um, it was very fun, and I believe like pilot skill was was felt in that quite a bit in most comps. Um, the other ones. The the five the the free for all I I don't know like I was gonna try it but then once I kind of saw what the meta was doing I thought it looked pretty lame so I I didn't want to to be quite honest like I I like the idea of it though but like from what people were didn't doing, appeal to your competitive competitive nature I assume as I well. guess I guess so and then the the slicers <laughs> yeah um I don't know I don't know why I didn't get amped up for the slicers either but it's mm -hmm. it's uh like. I really, after the 2v2, I really missed the roaming, like the organic nature of roaming PvP. It's like my favorite thing in EVE. So um, that, that was drawing me back for sure. But 
Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, like we mentioned cable. So let's talk about kind of the bling and collusion drama and pay to win. And I, I know you guys were super quick to re- respond with the, uh, with, with the meta level changes that are listed for the next events coming up. I think the starts with the, with the battle cruisers, right? Yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah. The battle cruisers, which are uh, going to be in two weeks from when we're recording this, uh, in on, uh, what is that there? The 21st, yeah, August 21st. Yeah. Um, those are going to have the, be the first, uh, format that has the meta level restrictions and for that event it'll be uh, nothing above tech 2 and, and no pirate implants no abyssal modules either they're all meta level 10 no matter what you mutate or like like no matter what you roll like they always become meta level 10 And uh, yeah, this is something we, we knew we wanted to add it to the future from before we released it. Uh, it was on our list of uh, up things we wanted to get in at some point, uh, but we made the call that uh, it was worth getting the feature out uh, and then adding it later rather than mm-hmm. holding the whole thing up for it, uh, as it always is with these sort of features, right? We always have more things we want to add, um, and there's going to continue to be more things we add to it. Uh, and uh, it unsurprisingly was like the uh, the thing that i think had the the, the most requested yeah. addition to it so that made it a high priority i also like i knew it was going to be an issue but i always in my mind thought like okay guys are going to bring, bring bring in bling and then they're going to face bling and they're going to lose bling so less bling will like the meta will shift but i of course if players are going to have a collusion channel in game where they do like and there's nothing we can do about that like we cannot uh, prevent you from not queuing up like if someone just des- decides not to queue up while he waits for the other guy to get a match and then he queues up there's nothing like there's nothing we can do to combat that these sort of things are inherent with uh, having a feature that is connected to a sandbox uh, that is part of the sandbox game and even though these uh, proving grounds are in their own space uh, they still are connected to the rest of eve and the rest of the eve economy and so people are going to be uh, be gaming them out in this way and that there's that's yeah. expected yeah it is interesting the connection and we saw like some of the things we saw people do um, people were using alts to uh, like suicide into people queuing to give them a timer because you can't queue with a combat timer. We saw that. We saw the collusion, uh, the collusion channel. So like elite teams weren't queuing up against each other. We saw obviously like the massive amounts of bling that were just, you know, and it took a while. Eventually people like fit bling to counter the bling as, as we witnessed with the Maulers and stuff. For the care for the blink characters um yeah. we, we yeah, saw that it's, it's channel, we saw that channel get used against them with that that's true so yeah, I, I think I, cable ended up losing something like 60 billion isk or something yeah he said yeah. he said he said that he lost uh, around he or like lost around 60 billion total for the 2e2 signal and i were um uh, we're thinking about trying to like just fit a max tank setup in the cruisers <laughs> and then see if we could queue up against U Millennium to try to uh, draw them to the end of the match. Uh, <laughs> and at the time, I thought, oh, I, I like the, none of the fits I could come up with because we didn't want to have to use bling ourselves uh, seemed like they'd do enough. But now that we've seen the fit, now that he's released it, yeah, it totally would have been possible <laughs> to just yeah. like fit a regen moa and tank till downtime. It's pretty funny, and that's like that's part of what makes Eve so great, right? Is that like these guys doing this created this weird like uh like fantasy match of people 
imagining what they could do, theory crafting against it, right? Which is kind of an interesting cat and mouse in a way, right? Even though I'm not like for the the bling, like I think it it just pushes too many. So it's tough. Okay, so some of the matches are more competitive than others. So in the competitive ones, like the two v two cruisers, I felt, um, you know, to do well. I mean, the ladder is structured kind of differently, right? Because it's just win. So you can either no life or you can bling and have better win percentages or whatnot. But what are your guys' take on, I've heard some criticisms on the ladder and how it's just a grind. And I've heard a lot of people suggest things like uh, like a win percentage-based ladder or like some type of ELO. Have you guys thought about stuff like that during development? There's a lot of value in those sort of things, I think. Um, we ended up making the call to go with uh, the num- just pure number of wins because uh, ne- none of the other options seemed like they uh, were going to be better overall. The uh, going on win percentage has the significant downside of uh, discouraging you. Like if you get a good run, uh, discourages you from playing more. Uh, and uh, doing it based on ELO is tricky with a small population. And unfortunately, just Eve's not as big of a game as like League of Legends to be able to pull that off as well. And that's also like a, so when we made the feature originally, we were like, okay, let's just see how, we, we didn't actually know how many people are going to participate. You know, nobody knows. What, like the Proving Grounds, like one day Proving Grounds do not exist. Nobody knows how many people we're going to get playing it. I mean, we had a rough estimate of, like we were lucky enough to have the Abyss instance PV like numbers to look at. Like, and my estimates were actually very, accurate for the 2v2 and free-for-all like they were very like uh, like basically like almost spot on where we were estimating how many would be you know uh, concurrently inside the abyss in the brewing grounds but i i i always as well knew like my estimates were that we would never be able to have uh an elo system because you just it just creates too many buckets of queues you know we would just have two two three hour long queues of people going up for what 2v2 or whatever like even if it was 1v1 we would have like we would have an hour or two long queues and mm-hmm. and the thing and thing about it as well is that when you're making a much much making in a ranking system like that is that uh, say we have you wait an hour to try to find you an optimal match but we always like say you have a much making system that is 10 minutes you're waiting to find people that are uh, similar skill level as you but as more time goes on, you you start to you know spill the other buckets into your bucket, you know, to try and f- like you widen the search. Where in an hour or two, you have the same match you would have in thirty seconds, because there's yeah, just not gotcha. enough people. Makes we sense. Just we just don't have enough people. That's basically like, and the thing is, like maybe this feature becomes bigger and bigger and bigger with the years, and then okay, maybe it makes sense to do it. But at the current rate of how many people interact with it i don't think uh we will be able to mm-hmm. yeah a lot of the decisions we ended up making with the proving grounds were tied to trying to uh, uh keep queue times low based on uh the populations that we'd be expect in a feature like this as like a, only a certain percentage of people are going to be interested in playing it uh and eve itself is just like a medium-sized game uh, and is, so and that's why yeah. for instance we're only running it over some of the time right instead of having it up 24 7 or having two at the same time which technically we yeah. have I, I mean i built a system that way we can have as many as you want going at the same time nice so right now we have these scheduled until 
looks like the beginning of September, the 8th of September is the final day of the Caldera Union uh, 2v2 kind of themed one. Do you guys have any any like hopes or or dreams for this past that? What's your what's your guys kind of like end game? And I know it's kind of probably sensitive to talk about, but is there anything you could say on on kind of where you'd want the proving grounds to end up? Yeah, so um, so we've got uh, we we have a um, a set of events that we're considering or that we have penciled in for the rest of this quadrant as well. Um, uh, so another couple of weeks after that, um, those are very likely going to change based on the feedback we're getting from the first couple. We've already made tweaks to the plan that we've announced. So for instance, this um, uh, the two v two battle cruisers uh, was one that we subbed in after seeing how much people enjoyed the two v two cruisers. Uh, we made swap some events around and uh, put that one into place. Uh, so uh, we we were making adjustments on the fly to those, but we've got some stuff penciled in, and there's going to be more more of them announced well, a couple of weeks ahead of time. Uh, but the idea is for this feature to run it as an ongoing evergreen thing. So um, we can tune the frequency. It might be three weekends a month. It might be two weekends a month. We'll see. Uh, but that would be something that would then be going on for the rest of the year and for uh, 2021 and 2022 and so on and so forth. And this is all this is all as of course designed to be getting the critical mass of players so we have shorter queue times and more enjoyment more variety of teams you meet up with and and all that good jazz mm -hmm. i'd be really interested for you guys what what type of formats would you like to see us do in the future what do you think would be fun from your perspective oh i think i think formats that so it's it's tough i think once you get to five Although I, I like the idea of like a 5v5, you know, that's that's broad and fitting with, with few hull restrictions. Um, it, it, you might not have the critical mass to have the queue times because there's that like barrier of having five people to, to go do it. But uh, another thing I, I think would be cool is having like mixed hulls. So like 2v2, but you have to use like a cruiser and a battleship. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on that boat too, because that... What that does, that gives like more of that tournament aspect that a lot of us who played in alliance tournaments or even T, like that difference in role that we're you you know that we enjoy. So uh, even three v three, I think having like one frigate, one destroyer, one cruiser, something like that, it, it creates those roles that people can really challenge themselves and kind of like. And also, you have a, a lot of fitting options and how you want to do stuff. But you know, then you you create situations for attack boat pilot to really excel, or um, you know, different different people to work on different jobs and build that communication. And uh, that's like one of the biggest things I enjoyed from the tournament scene. Yeah, like I think that. So in the two v two, quite often there were matches, and for me they were the more exciting ones—the ones where you where you win by one ship, right? So your your fleet mate or yourself is dead, but your team still wins. So it was really close matches, you know. And quite often the two v two felt to me like uh, once we got the first kill, most matches were secured enough, and maybe it was a, a product of the meta being rapid lights, and they'd go on reload, and then one would die, and you're like, "Hey, Rip, we know we got this." But I think like a format like we're discussing with with uh, mixed classes, um, a ship loss wouldn't necessarily mean 
the match is is in the bag. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's lots of room via like focusing Eeyore with mids or spreading them. Like there's playing counterplay there that yep. might lead to some really fun stuff. And and losing a frig, although you're losing a third to your team, you know, if it's frig frig Desi Cruiser, for example, like you know, the, your yeah, the, teammates the, could definitely the, still get out of the get out of the hole. You know what I mean? And that'd be super the more satisfying. I think of that specific example, it, like I don't know, I think it's a little one dimensional, but yeah, like having more options, I think, really opens up metas to like you could fit your destroyer specifically to disrupt, or specifically you know for Eeyore. Um But yeah, in in like a frig. Desi cruiser, I think like would be rush the rush the cruiser <laughs> first cruiser to die. Like that's the losing team. But like yeah, that kind of idea or even uh, like to Pharaoh's point, I think five v five maybe is a little too big, um, and you you start to run into issues. But um, but you know, or if you could allow like two cruisers, one Desi, one Frig, like that'd be super interesting. I think. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And uh, actually, one thing that I'd like to see too would be some sort of thing like a asymmetric queue, like a mixed queue. So you could queue as either one battleship or five faction frigates, for example. So then, <laughs> you know, then the frigate menace can take down Mr. Hyde and make him feel really bad. Whoa. Oh man! Some of those, uh, one of the things we'll have to keep or be aware of when we're if we explore stuff like that is that it adds. Anytime we're adding that kind of complexity for theory crafting, uh, we might push out some of the more casual people. But it's definitely worth trying out and seeing what kind of populations we can get. Yeah, this that's, that's the key, I'm, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm also really excited to see what happens with the 5v5 Corvettes. We intentionally have very, very the cheapest ships possible, so we can have like no barrier to entry of getting five people together. Is getting five people together too hard? Because what we were I seeing, think it's going to be mayhem. It's it's going to be fun, yeah. but. The metric side, like you're saying, will be really interesting if the yeah, number of players. Because if, if we don't get, if we can't have five people in Corvettes, how are we ever going to do five uh, people mixed mixed classes? Yeah. yeah so the exactly. the, the uh, next couple of events are all pretty experimental in helping us learn about what players like and what they don't like in these. Uh, with the battle cruisers, it's the largest and most expensive ships we've done yet. So we're going to kind of push the envelope a little bit there and see where that goes. Uh, and then we've got the 5v5 uh, Corvettes, which are the opposite extreme, right? You need five people, but it's the cheapest ships ever. Um, and then we're going to have the first event that allows, although it doesn't force mixed classes, it'll allow mixed classes. It's going to have a combination of frigates and destroyers in the same format. Uh, I really, and I, we'll see where that goes. I really loved, uh, there was a comment on, I think it was on Twitch when we announced the format, there was some guy in Twitch chat who said like, oh, the noop event, it's like I was born for that event. Right. It's uh, pretty funny. One other yeah, thing I mean, that I'm interested in exploring in the future that we have the ability to do is we can do not just the normal free-for-alls where you come in individually, but we can actually do free-for-alls of teams, too. Uh, so we could do a 2v2v2. That's spicy. That could be... <laughs> yeah, gang up on the rapid like characters. <laughs> just just put five teams of uh, of Tech One cruisers into in together of two Tech One cruisers at a time, like a repeat of the the two v two, but more chaotic. And also, be cool with you guys. 
Yeah, sorry, Sotonia. You... I was just saying, like, a uh, really big free-for-all could be pretty cool, too. Like, a, just a 25-man free-for-all. Because the uh, the first free-for-all, actually, I felt, thought was actually really fun. And you, I don't think I waited longer than a minute for any queue, even queuing at downtime. Yeah, the free-for-all format was definitely the, even more... It was more popular than the 2v2, just to tell you guys. We had more participation in the free-for-all than we did in the 2v2. Oh, wow. And being That's able to awesome. solo queue, I think, made a big difference there, yeah. right? Solo queue is that is for it. That's yeah. why I'm I am like I I don't know, but in my mind the slicers are an issue, but the three v three is an issue. Me and Fossey, for example, we wanted to go, you know, you know, uh, queue up, but we were having problems finding the third. It is like not everyone has, you know, like. I know it, it. I don't know if it is the like roaming is different than this. This is more I don't know intimate or like this is more serious to people. Where it's like I don't want anyone to join our team, you know, because I don't want to go and just lose matches because of the third guy being terrible at the game. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I like there was quite a few people in the less than ten Discord kind of looking for partners, and I've heard of people. Like Gorski, Gorski was saying, he basically exclusively pulls people out of BSB in game, but I'm sure there are is a lot of that of uh, kind of like that elitism of not allowing people people in, you know. I think another issue too is uh, slices are kind of like the worst possible ship to be able to dual box or triple box because I know a lot of people were uh, <laughs> dual boxing the two v two. I think I got actually most of my wins from dual boxing, and there's a lot of I think there was another streamer as well who I think look of all. Yeah. was uh, streaming 2v2s as well. So I think like not being able to like dual box or triple box the slices because they were too small might also uh, impact it a little bit too. Just like we lean right into that and do uh, 3v3 uh, Hawks and uh, all the people nice. that uh, triple box the Abyss can just triple box this. <laughs> that, was, that was to my point about the 3v3, and you just made it for me, is that you need to queue alone. Yeah, I don't know. I lost. We'll we'll close out on this here shortly. But I when I found out that I lost to Lissy Lou dual boxing, I was pretty upset that it was like me, me and Ken <laughs> lost to some dude dual boxing. And although it's it's Lucy Lou, right? That makes me feel a little better. But like just losing to someone that was dual boxing feels bad. Do you guys have anything else you want to add about proving grounds before we move on? Uh, I guess one thing I'll just say is uh, we're definitely really interested in hearing what other people have uh, for suggestions for formats, uh, what type of ships you'd like to see, what type of combinations you'd like to see, um, what you think will be fun. Uh, we're going to be, uh, we definitely are taking that into account when coming up with future uh, formats. And I expect we'll probably do some like polls at some point for selecting some future ones as well uh, to allow people to choose from a couple of options. Uh, so keep an eye out for that and get let. Give it some t thought and see if there's anything cool that rolls out. And funnily enough, you guys were talk talking about mixed uh, hulls or limiting ship types. Is something that I'm going to be probably looking at on Monday. I was planning on looking on looking into on Monday, at least limiting the amount of type you can bring. So say mm -hmm. you can only bring two uh, Velators and the five v five Corvettes, no more than two. Yeah, just to avoid like five, you know, five of one type. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, let's let's mention this. We mentioned well, Blood. You mentioned Event T earlier, but yeah, they just announced the the Alliance Open, so it's going to take place like quite a bit later this year. But 
I think, right? Or when is it? Is, maybe it's April, isn't it? It's in November uh, this year. November. Yeah, yeah I, should have, a, I should have reread it before the, the show. But. The 14th and the 21st, I believe. It's the second and the second to last uh, weekend of November. Nice. So it's basically a very AT-style tournament. Um, there was a pretty cool write-up about how Edencom is essentially sponsoring this tournament. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's like anti-Trickalabian, which is a cool RP way to tie into, you know, making them have a higher point value. Uh, what do you think? Are you guys going to take part? I know uh, in Furnace, we, we just don't have like the sh- sheer number of people to have a team. And there was talk, kind of talks about trying, but it, you know, between the corp, like some of the people just want to roam and don't want to like put in the massive amount of effort. And we already only have like 12 or 13 actual humans in corps, so just don't have the people. How about you guys? I've been offered to uh, join the Volta team and the Wallers team, but I've uh, declined because I think I'm going to be doing some work with BRG in the background and maybe doing some Alanis stuff. So I I don't like being on a team while also like having some job like officially on the broadcasts because it doesn't sit super well with me. Like because sometimes you have access to you know like backend information that you probably shouldn't have as a player. So I just trying to uh, trying to make sure I don't end up in a spot where, uh, you know, I have to make a difficult decision. Yeah, it's always good to avoid even the uh, the perception of bias as well, yeah. Yeah, and how about you guys from CCP? What do you guys think about this starting up and, and seeing this? I mean, I think it's really awesome. We've worked with the, the NT folks before uh, in uh, the broadcasting of the... Uh, uh, the alliance tournament and also just in like the the eventy uh, uh player gathering and uh at hangouts like they're a really great group of folks i think they're gonna do an amazing job and i'm really glad to see uh them able to do this uh i'm obviously a like for anyone who's familiar with uh, uh my history as a player in eve uh the alliance tournament and the tournaments in eve are something that i'm really passionate about personally uh, and so it's great to see them be able to like pick up that torch I'm I'm super pumped. I mean, you kind of covered it um, in in talking about Thermo not really putting together a team. I am actually just checking that like barcode, which is mostly the Thermo guys. Um, we there was discussion about putting in a team, and basically a lot of people said like, "Hey, you know, I'd be willing to be involved, but like I can't run it or I can't." you know, guarantee that I'll be able to do practices and stuff like that. So um, my understanding is there's still time for sign up. So there might be more discussion there. But I I think like a lot of the people there are probably going to just look to be getting involved with other groups and kind of, yeah, go forward there. But I mean, I'm I'm pumped about that. I may be more active just for the tournament. <laughs> You know, um, but a lot of the part that teams are going to struggle with, I think, is just practices, um, finding other teams that are willing to practice, and a lot of the like logistics behind all that stuff more than anything else. Yeah, on the subject of signups, I believe they already actually have 24 teams who have signed up. They had initial 24 slots. That was open first come first serve, and then there's another eight slots, I believe. There's thirty two slots total, and those eight slots are going to be raffled off. I think at the end of the month. So if if you're listening and you're still interested in joining, you haven't 
submitted uh, yeah you can still do and it'll be a, a raffle to see if you get into the draw or not yeah if, if anyone i mean it's a great way to learn pvp like you don't have to be a super skilled person you just have to have the commitment to practice and stuff but it's you need a team of 10 at minimum right so you you definitely want to have more people involved for practices and for you know in case people don't show up but i mean if you're like 18 to 20 people i think that'd be a very safe safe bet of 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 people to allow for some, you know, floppiness on the commitment and stuff like that from a few people. But yeah, give it a try. Yeah, and I, I think that 10v10 is kind of like where within Barcode, like that was the, the limiting factor there, which is just part of those tournaments. But I do think like the, the larger group size tends to lead to like far more interesting meta and a lot more interesting theory crafting. Um, and so you know compared to like 5v5s and stuff that we've done which still have fun but like a lot of times your comp will hinge on a battle cruiser or something like that um and its effectiveness and so uh yeah like i don't know it's i think that's the the challenging part but i've said this in the past my favorite part of any tournament scene or atmosphere is the practices like that's where you learn the most piloting wise and you just you know you sit there you go in you run a match and then five minutes later you're back in the same situation trying to improve on the mistakes or improve on the feedback or whatever it was from the previous and you just keep hashing that out for two hours or whatever and you improve so much in such a short time frame because you're just replicating those same situations yeah for sure i'm definitely looking forward to seeing it um but yeah let's move on to kind of our last talking point which is a recently announced feature that that you guys had a big uh part in right so the metaliminal storms uh so just a a quick overview of them is basically it's it's like a weather system that will uh randomly it has like some logic behind it to make make it so it doesn't want to like backtrack over itself in a pipe but basically, key system, uh, it's focused on the one system. Any system within one jump range has the strong effects. And then the next surrounding two to three systems have like a weaker version of that effect. And uh, they'll be, yeah, moving around New Eden. So, I mean, I have some questions. You guys probably do too. But uh, one one question I really wanted to have is, is what kind of visibility is there going to be on this um, as far as in-game or, or like maybe an ESI endpoint for like Dotland? So we're starting off with uh, map visibility. So you'll have a map filter. You'll be able to see them on the map where they all are. Uh, and that's going to be the key way at first. Uh, in the future, we may add uh, ESI uh, connections for them. But at the very least, uh, on day one, you'll have maps, the in-game map. And the in-game map will show all the storms, but it won't tell you what type of storm it is. So you'll still have to be a storm chaser. That's super cool. So that maybe you'll have cool. like in-game in-game uh, weather reporters who uh, report the weather. Yeah, you'll be able to know where storms are, so you can go and have some fun, or like at least know that there will be one there when you get there, but you won't know which one. Yeah, unless you but go the fact check it that out. the fact that their positioning is persistent and they move, it's the same storm moving around, means that if you if you've been to where, the location of one of them and you remember yeah. which one it is or written it down, or uh, then you'll be able to have that knowledge be useful. So are they going to like dissipate and then reappear randomly every so often? Or is it literally 
you know, all these storms are active at once and they're just roping around nullsec and that's it. They should, they should never dissipate. Yeah, the, the only times they'll dissipate is if we're swapping them out for new ones, uh, which will happen sometimes, I think. Like um, if uh, we have a new storm that uh, is developed, a new type of storm, uh, or if uh, one of the storms isn't, uh, isn't very fun for people, if we're getting feedback that isn't great for it, we can swap it out for another one. So when we do stuff like that, they'll dissipate and a new one will spawn. But if otherwise... We're only, if we're only tweaking them, we might not, though. Like if we're just tweaking some stats or like changing, yeah, one, changing one attribute, one element. Yeah. Then, then it would probably just... Yep. So there's, there's a chance that these things will overlap. Is that right? Yeah, there is. Uh, oh yep. my god. So, so they'll be able to overlap. Um, and uh, that will happen, of course. Like these, these are there's only going to be eight in the universe at a time, at least at first, uh, and they're not huge. So overlapping is not going to happen super often, but when it does, you'll get some pretty crazy effects. Yeah. But you said eight. What about? <laughs> yeah. So the the uh, the plan for the initial launch, although they may not all spawn right at once, is that there will be two of each of those storm types in the universe. So a total of eight storms of four different types. Uh, do they have like? bounding ranges like for instance is it possible and it's highly unlikely but possible that all eight end up in one place at some point and create a superstorm yep <laughs> it is it is possible yes okay <laughs> they're not, not like bounded happen. by certain regions it's not gonna happen knock on wood but it's like it's it's <laughs> extremely extremely unlikely like give it a long time period let's, 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 let's all go happen. buy a lottery ticket now like if it happens yeah. Um, so but yes, if, they, they theoretically could. Yeah. If there's two of the same type, do the effects stack? Yep. Uh, yes, at the moment. Yeah. Oh my god! At the moment. <laughs> if that so, if it ends up becoming a problem, we can change it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so crazy. Um, so so means that it will storm. be possible. It it'll be possible to get some insane, like for instance, warp speed effects. Like you'll be able to get uh, quadruple warp speed. <laughs> that's crazy uh did you guys have like a specific um inspiration for this or is it kind of just built off of abyssals because like i i saw this and i instantly thought of the game rift online like that i played you know eight years ago or something and they had like a similar kind of event um or like the the premise of that game was more incursion like but that's kind of what it reminded me of, and it, I, I loved that mechanic. So is that like, or was this just building more and more off of abyssal stuff? This is primarily building on abyssal stuff, yeah. But if space yeah. weather is something has often been talked about or whatever, but not in this form that we're doing. And for the past, uh, I guess, I think it's a year now, probably. Like for the innovations, I I made I made a let's just call it it's we call it component. Where it's very easy to do this system-wide effect, as we call it internally. It's uh, way easier than the old system that we have in place. Uh, so it became just a easy spawn it, basically. Uh, and then from there, after we did that for the innovation stuff, where they would spawn these beacons and give you more mining speed, and I think it was decreased warp speed and stuff, uh, we I immediately brought up, like, this is ridiculous that we don't show it anywhere in the UI. The feedback, like, the UX around these things are terrible. And for wormholes, it was like it was acceptable because they were supposed to be mysterious, and you know you weren't supposed to. But now, of course, everyone knows to the detail of what those effects are, and they're just on, you know, Evuni. But uh, 
and when I brought this to uh, my manager slash producer and like uh, told him we could do really cool events, even warp speed weekends or whatever, like we got the basically capital behind to do the in UI UX improvements, and we we bundled that up all up in like uh, was really uh, I guess fortunate that it all happened around the time we're doing the wormhole updates and stuff. So like it was just all these building blocks that have moved towards doing this basically throughout the year. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, when we were doing those, we definitely had the like. This will also be useful for space weather in the future, in mind, uh, and that because that's something. I mean, if you've been paying attention to like the stuff that CCP has talked about uh, in kind of more abstract senses for a while, like space weather has been something that we've discussed for years at FanFest, and uh, the, the um, this is something that we think we've always kind of thought would be cool to do, and now we finally got the the time and the the tech to put it together. Yeah, and reusing uh, as well, like our, we call it our tail system, uh, where we can actually, like you see in the effect, spawn dungeons, we can do a lot of things with the same, uh, like the last building block that was needed for this to happen. I made like uh, this, uh, well, right after Proving Grounds, I started wor uh, working on it. Uh, took, like we, I made that uh, redistribution part of it, like that it would not just disappear, that it would actually roam know the, the algorithm of picking the next systems and stuff like that I was missing so we, we got that done and now we have the ability to just to do these roaming what content you could just even call it like we're like it's at the moment roaming storms or meta limbo storms we could do whatever we want with this it's, it kind of seems like you guys d designed it had a design feature or a design goal of having players strive to kind of follow them you mentioned somebody mentioned storm chasers um, so can you guys like expand a little bit on the reward aspect, like the carrot of, of extra relic sites, extra rogue drone sites, extra Triglavian sites yeah. and Orinoms? Like, what is that going to look like? And, and I imagine that is what I'm analyzing true. Like that is the carrot and having people kind of chase these storms. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the carrots for sure. So each of these storms, the strong effect systems are going to have some extra sites in space. Uh, for the gamma ray, it's going to be some extra rogue drone sites. Uh, so combat ones for the electrical is going to be extra relic sites. Uh, for the plasma ones, it's going to be triglavian combat sites, and for the uh, exotic ones, it's going to be extra oranoms. Uh, and uh, that it will also combine with the fact that if you know you're going to one of these storms, like if you undock, planning to spend time in these, then you'll be able to build your ship around it too and have an advantage over somebody who just stumbles into them. Uh, and those two things combined should give people. Uh, that like want to make a living out of it and want to have that be a key part of their gameplay, a cool advantage. And we expect that'll be a niche gameplay thing. It's going probably not going to be something that a ton of people do, but in a lot of ways, it's kind of similar to like living out of Thera, right? It's, it's a way that you can change your uh, gameplay to get some really cool benefits. Uh, that's not for everyone, but for some people, it's going to work really well for their gameplay style. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. I it's, do it... like the, the relic sites making it so that you can't cloak like because that's yeah. going to be the the main thing that a lot of the the site runners the explorers will be kind of relying on is their ability to cloak so that'll i think be interesting to see what people start adapting to if they start adapting to pvp fits that have a relic analyzer you know stuff like that you won't about, necessarily uh, need to have the uh, the bonus ships because you're going to have the uh, the big bonus to virus coherence that comes yeah. from the storm itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could could you also add uh, to the no cloaking line uh, warp core stabs 
do not function. <laughs> that could that could be something we could add to a storm at some point. Yeah, uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, what do you guys think is going to happen with this? Like, what are we going to see? <clears throat> so, I've heard some people kind of look at some of them. Like, for example, the um, the one that punishes remote repair. And just kind of bring up things like, well, what happens when there's like an offensive timer for a structure and this storm is there? Like it basically means that, you know, uh, essentially, you know what I mean? Like it's going to have a severe impact on that. So what do you guys think on that? I I really want Fozzy to speak to this fact that there's a lot of like in a lot of CSM meetings throughout the years and just a lot of player requests. There's always like, oh, what can we remove like cloaky camping or can can we have you know, no remote wraps in a, in a big fleet fight and all this kind of stuff, like, and here we have these uh, just targeted, like, not all of NullSec, but these basically test test beds to see how that works out. Yeah, so with both the uh, the gammas and the electricals, they have a very uh, wacky and powerful uh, effect that changes uh a lot of gameplay for NullSec. So in the uh, Gammas, it's the no remote reps or very, very weak remote reps. Uh, and in the Electricals, it's no cloaking. And in both of those cases, uh, part of the motivation, like uh, Signal said, is that we get a lot of uh, requests to uh, nerf those two features uh, in general, because obviously they've got a lot of benefits, but they also have a lot of downsides too. Uh, and the uh, and there's been a lot of folks, especially we, we saw with the CSM and remote reps, uh, who are really interested in trying to generate some more bloody fights uh, and were frustrated with the with the power of remote reps. And uh, so we put these together as a cool way for people to just explore, try that out, see see if they like it or not. Um, in the case of, like, if there's a, a timer uh, going on with, like, the Gamma Storm, yeah, it'll definitely have an effect. The good news is you'll be able to see it coming. So, like, you'll know that if the storm is five jumps away from you, that the fastest it can possibly get to you is uh, in five days, but it also may turn around and go a different direction. But you know it's not going to teleport on top of you uh, without warning. Yeah, and these storms, they travel, they move at downtime, right? And they try to not double back on themselves. Not so their movement is not connected to downtime. Uh, They're going to have a timer where they'll redistribute, kind of like... um, incursions so in the incursion timers like they'll spin up at their own times um and uh each storm will move on a cadence between one and two days and not tied to downtime mm-hmm. that's pretty neat i don't know i think i'm so like i often <clears throat> romanticize like a nomadic gameplay style sometimes i do it i'll like have an alton and orca that i'll seed a shattered wormhole with and play out of that for a bit or, or something along those lines or even just like a cloaky orca roaming nullsec i've yeeted uh nomad orcas um it gets pretty spicy but i don't know this it kind of enhances that right like it it definitely piques my uh super lame interests of of this like nomadic storm chaser <laughs> fantasy <laughs> sounds super lame but <laughs> I think, yeah, I think for, for some folks, they'll have a lot of fun with this kind of thing. Uh, and also, if it can be the kind of thing where if you live in an area of NullSec and it's passing through, you can choose to, while it's in your space, because it'll be in your space, like if, it's, if you live in a certain, like rat in a certain system, uh, it may pass through and like be there for like four, four or so days and then be gone. Uh, you can plan around that, right? You can decide, okay, we're, I'm going to switch my fit up, take advantage of the 50% extra weapon damage, but I need to have a target painter now because I have less tracking. 
uh, and you yeah. can get a lot of benefits and suddenly be be ratting more effectively or defending more effectively or if you are roaming and you are near one of these storms and somebody's chasing you you can lead them into the storm where you're going to have an advantage mm-hmm. well, let's let's like kind of to close this out let's let's kind of like deep dive each one and give our opinions and i will say tony you already wrote some stuff so really we're just going to cover cover that and we'll like agree disagree kind of thing so let's start with the the gamma ray from a small ganger's perspective right so Gamma Ray, you're basically, it's the one with the huge logistics nerf remote rep. Um, you get an increase to SIG uh, radius. Well, so your your SIG radius is actually smaller. It's a bonus to SIG radius. And it has that scram disruptor range. So before you guys put these numbers in, let me ask you this. Did you math out or fit up uh, an abyssal scram lachesis? <laughs> We we knew it would it would have extremely long ranges. Yeah, I didn't uh, fit it out exactly. Actually, an earlier draft of this had uh, every scrambler is two hundred and fifty kilometers, no matter what. That was an earlier version of the draft, um, which would have been its own form of hilarity. Uh, the basic idea behind that was to try to create a uh, nobody reps, nobody runs weather. Um, but uh, obviously, some folks have been interested in it, but other folks think it's going to be a bit too powerful for things like gate camps. I'd be interested in what you guys think about that bonus. Uh, I don't think it, I mean, gate camping, I mean, the worst gate camps will use like SIBO, uh, like uh, Daredevil anyway, with like a, a crazy web. So it doesn't matter. Like, the, as you guys know, you spawn 15K off a gate. As long as you're within range, you're dead. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're always going to be within range of that heated web. So yeah, uh, I, I, proper Dungate camps are going to be no different, really. It might even be better for you because with the uh, lower SIG radius, it takes gate campus a little bit longer to lock you. So you might get closer to the gate before you get locked down. That's a good point, too. Yeah, I, I don't particularly see, like, an impact on gate camps. I mean, people, you might get, like, a, like um lower skill or like lower organi- organization of gate camps because yeah you can just put like an interceptor on a gate will will have the range to shut down anything basically with a scram right so i don't know we'll we'll see but i mean the the, the power of gate camps was there before with specific setups but i definitely like this this one it, it like obviously it's pretty common for some groups with with like that don't want to fight ro- uh, roamers to just like logistics up. And like I we routinely take fights against like two, three logi when we have like five, six people just trying to outplay. And this kind of like makes it so they can't do that, which is nice. I think it definitely seems like a a, a small gang. Like it'll be fun and as as from a small gang perspective. Mm-hmm. Um it, you know, with that SIG, I don't know, you might see like people come out with hundred demand stuff because of the combination of of like the super long scram range being hyper dangerous to kiting MWD ships. And then also the SIG radius like bonus, you know, that kind of that caters well to 100 MN or even like, I mean, if you wanted to bling stuff flying like a 10 MN bling fit phantasm in this or, or succubus or uh, would be really cool. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think longer range stuff, especially, especially some ships like I think Orphrus, Oracle, those kind of ships will definitely be super strong too because even though you can be scrammed further away you also have like a super longer defensive scram too yeah and be, being able to point people out to like 70 80 kilometers with a like carrier of a long point with you know just attack two 
point means that longer range damage ships like Apocalypse, Oracle, those kind of ships can maybe shine a bit better than they otherwise would. Yeah. I know we've been flying with uh, Lachesis in game, like a pretty nice triple damp uh, armor Lachesis, and having that in here would be pretty good too. Just the damps are going to be hyper powerful, I feel, just for the, the anti anti scram, right? I don't know. That's that's about it for Gamma. Um, so, Tony, you want to go over the electric one? Yeah, the electric one, I think, probably doesn't change how small gang players are going to fight that much because a lot of the stuff is more about like exploration bonuses but yeah the, so the, i think the biggest the biggest thing though right is that there's since there's no cloaks it means it's a lot harder for people to drop on you and get like surprise uh surprise like blobs or like signers on you because you'll see like every recon coming as well as like you know a bomber trying to or a loki or something trying to light a sino since it can't cloak, it's a lot more telegraphed, and it's a lot easier for you to be able to react to it. But it might also it also means that you can't move your own cloaky ships around as easily as well. So there's a lot more risk. Yeah, for sure, I agree there. But that that one is I might I might put an alt in that one and see what what it's like doing relic sites. <laughs> just try and make some is. Yeah, I mean, you could just do a normal PvP ship as well because, like Fuzzy said, there's a massive vir virus bonus, and then there's also the probe strength bonus too. So even a, just a Vexer or something has the same scan strength as the Covert Ops with max skills. Yeah, and using something that can spare the mid, like, be pretty cool. I don't know. I, I When I saw that, I was like, that seems interesting. Well, let's go over the plasma, which is super interesting. So it's the one with the, the massive weapon damage increase and also an armor HP increase. Yeah. And then it decreased the tracking, right? So an application. Yeah, so tracking's reduced by 50%. So everything tracks half as well. And missile explosion radius and fighter explosion radius is also increased by 50%. So it means that uh, things aren't going to apply as well. But you also get that 50% damage on top of that. And another thing as well is the thermal resistance penalty. If you if you're shooting thermal damage, that ash stacks with the double the 50% damage bonus. You actually do double damage against people with thermal damage because the thermal damage is an extra 33%, and that stacks onto the 1.5 times, and it ends up being double original damage. Yeah, for anybody that's familiar with flying in magnetar wormholes. Uh, a chunk of this is kind of a watered-down version of that. Uh, so uh, you'll have some of the same uh, gameplay mechanics in place, except notably, the this doesn't have the um, uh, the, the target painter nerf that the Magnetars has. So you can use target painters really effectively to help get around the downsides. Yeah, so the ships I think that are going to be pretty strong in this are going to be ships that already apply very well, such as Rapid Light ships, you know, like Osprey Navy Issue, Orphrus, etc., since rapid lights are probably always going to apply fully to cruisers, even if you have that uh, explosion radius nerf, and then also small ships can also take advantage of the fact that they do they can do up to double damage, like retributions, and they're also hard to hit as they are anyway. And then with everyone tracking, way worse too. It means you know something like a retribution is going to be very difficult for an unorganized gang to to be able to hit. On yeah. the counterpoint, I feel like whoever's Nullsec space this like is active in 
it's like a carrier dream because it's you know the fighter damage explosion radius so i mean they're gonna suffer somewhat from the the turret tracking but that missile volley is going to be brutal yeah, it's worth noting the fighter explosion radius is also a nerf to fighters. So they'll, the fighters will do more damage, but they will not hit as effectively. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Never it's mind. It's always tricky because the fact that explosion yeah. radius is higher is worse. Uh, so I tried yeah. to, in the form thread, put a little bit of uh, context in them. Uh, but yes, it's higher explosion radius, which is a nerf to both of those. Basically everything, every weapon system that has a form of tracking whether it be missiles or fighters yeah. or drones or turrets, gotcha. will all track worse. Yeah, I mean, so what it's, about... yeah, it's just application got gets nerfed across the board. Gotcha. Yeah. What about like? I mean, you take a Lashak, right? They already have good tracking for a, a, a large weapon system. They are going to do so much damage, and yeah, half their damage is thermal, well. and they They're have. Be a yeah, and they ha- already have the, the armor HP bonus. They already like. Just by the nature of their stats, they're heavily scaled in armor HP, right? Like this is a thing that we often hear people kind of talk about is is one of the biggest like benefits to the to these is that like they their HP is allocated in places where they're meant to tank. Like you look at a raven and it's like par- fairly equal in its raw HP across the board, but it's meant to shield tank and and every armor plate or shield extender you put on that like it further magnetizes that that stat allocation and then on top of that you have an armor hp bonus like it's going to make better use of that armor hp bonus than a battleship that doesn't have as many raw hp in armor right so like i could see that being super strong in like a fleet set setting yeah although so these effects won't apply to um, npcs or to uh, structures like citadels so they only apply to player ships and player like drones uh, but there's, it's no coincidence that this is the um, effect that we're pairing with Triglavian combat sites showing up, because uh, yes, it is intended to be the uh, a weather where Triglavian ships are going to be especially effective. Yeah. Oof. So my my analysis was spot on. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's. The last one we'll talk about is the uh, exotics. So that's the one with the uh, negative to kinetic resists. You get uh, better scan res. It's the one that has ore anomalies. So there's uh, a mining laser cycle time. And then you get a bonus to warp speed and a, well, it shows up as negative, but it's to uh, local. It's tank. a buff, yeah. Yeah, so it's actually a buff because you're going to rep faster. Yeah, it's faster cycle time, but that does mean faster cap consumption as well. So you're going to have to have that trade off. It's essentially yeah. it's like the nanobot accelerator uh, bonus. Yeah, I, I call this weather effect like Mr. Hyde's uh, dream weather because it's really good for battleships because you get double warp speed, you get scan resolution, and you get stronger active tank. So bigger ships, especially like battleships, battle cruisers, definitely benefit from warping faster and locking faster and having stronger active tanks, which is areas where those specific ships tend to shine. So are these... Are, are these on Pypha yet? I'm kind of probably bad for asking this, but it doesn't look like it is. I'm just checking right now. So that's going to be interesting once these get added to Pypha so all the Pypha nerds can go through and like play with fits and, and look what at if I'm in the What if I'm in this storm? Yeah, I mean, you already see people do that with like 
every so often this crazy fit comes out with stats from like a C6 Pulsar or something like that. But yeah. I love the people who were uh, posting like when uh, the, the Shield Slaves came out. They were posting uh, stats of a Komodo in a C6, which is not possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really stoked. Like, I saw mixed kind of feedback initially from this, from the weather. But um, I mean, it's something you guys talked about CCP like ages ago, right? Like at Vegas, people were talking about storms. And I don't know. It. Uh, I'm not surprised, but I'm, I'm, Super happy, happy to see it. Like it looks pretty cool. It looks interesting. Yeah, one thing that we're ha- um, that we haven't really talked about much yet, uh, but you'll see once they start showing up on the test servers, is they also have uh, graphical effects on the system as well. So just like the uh, the abyss, or just like the uh, the invasions and incursion systems, there's going to be a different skybox when you're in these, which is really cool. And with two different strengths, you'll be able to see from the uh, the visuals in the system whether it's the uh, strong or the weak effects. Does the skybox allow you to zoom out as much as normally? Yeah, so yeah <laughs> this doesn't affect that. Okay. This is just the space nebula. Yeah. Uh, small ganger problems, right? <laughs> no, we restrict the camera in all weathers. Exactly. Oh man. We could have it. We could have a like first person mode weather. <laughs> you, might, you must. <laughs> Everyone has to be in first person mode. <laughs> yeah. How about how about you uh, have a storm that disables people's ability to anchor on their on their FC? Yeah, just disable right. all of the uh, default commands. So you can only yeah. manually pilot. Only manually <laughs> pilot. Yeah. No no approach. No orbit. Yeah. Oh uh, man, too funny. All right, well, yeah, because... we can do a lot of cool things with these in the future. So that's another thing that I'm interested in hearing what you guys think. What kind of uh, weathers would you like to see us add in the future? Oh, one I'd, I'd think would be interesting would be uh, one where nullification is disabled, because that's always been like a hot topic on the CSM. Yep. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Yeah, and um, I know like you could have one that's just like, hey, what would happen if a Kiki got gutted where like, you know, a Kiki has negative 50% optimal and negative 25 tracking? <laughs> like just specifically the Kiki? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, people will be mad I said that. Some oh, people, some people will cheer. Eden comm ships too, right? Because they are named after storms and things. Yeah, you could do stuff with, I think like a one that's focused on cap warfare would be cool. Um, with like mm-hmm. massive massive buffs to newts or maybe like massive buffs to i mean they're kind of similar to the the wormhole effect but like a, a buff to remote cap transfer and a nerf to um regen like rock testing um stuff that just like more along the lines of the nerfing application you could do speed so you could have like an environment where you know uh, like you also can't go as fast that could be interesting yeah, I think that would be really cool. Speed is one of those ones that we definitely uh, have a lot of room to do cool things with in future weathers, I think. Yeah, and and like you guys mentioned, it's it's cool that because um, I, I, you guys probably saw like that was one of the show points in, in the poll or in the in the show notes was to touch on this concept of of using uh, the storm environments as a way to kind of test potential game changes. And you guys kind of you guys touched on that already, but I feel like the speed one. Um, and and kind of seeing what comps what happens to to nano gang and stuff like that in a storm where speed is a, a big problem where it's like gutted that'd be kind of cool. Um, 
I don't know. I think like touching on speed, it, it definitely is interesting. And I think most people who really like small gang, like who, who live and breathe it are probably going to like, they wouldn't have a problem with an overall speed nerf. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I, I personally wouldn't because I, it also means other ships aren't going are gonna to be going as fast either, but you definitely would have to address some of the issues with like projection and obscene tracking. Um, I think as well, but we'll see. One thing to uh, just like throw out there as something we can do in the future is uh, we also have the ability with a lot of uh, stats to have weathers that put a cap on stats too. So for instance, we could have a weather that puts a cap on lock range instead of just nerfing lock range. Uh, it would be theoretically possible to have a weather that has a speed limit, uh, like the, uh, the inside of that uh, space from uh, uh, the expanse. Uh, that kind of stuff is stuff we could potentially do in the future if people are interested. Can you put a cap on web range? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that would like all those kind of things would be theoretically possible. Yeah, that, that'd, like, that'd be cool. And actually, like since you, I know that this isn't your guys's thing, but it it spawns some good conversation about like um, having soft caps or hard caps on on ships as a way to kind of balance uh, stacking abuse, like abyssal stacking with links, stacking with ship bonuses right on things like that right like if a web could never be further than like 75 hot or 70 hot or something like that you know what i mean it's kind of an interesting uh, aspect it'd be cool to see that in a weather like to to just kind of look at how people interact with it yeah speaking of speed would it be possible to have a weather with reverse tie-dye effect because that could be uh, uh, that would at least require a lot of work because that's currently, as I'm sure uh, a lot of people will know, is tied to the uh, the server nodes, uh, and that's done at kind of a lower level. Uh, so, uh, yeah, not non-trivial. It's a cool idea, though. The reverse tie dye is one of those fun things that only people that have uh, flown in the Alliance <laughs> room have ever had a chance to experience. Uh, yeah, that's pretty neat. Anything else you guys wanted to add before we kind of wrap it up with our outro? No, I'm good. Cool. Thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on, guys. I'd say a big shout out to everyone that's been uh, uh, giving us uh, feedback on the the features we've released recently on the proving grounds and the weather. Uh, definitely keep that up. Um, the especially the people giving constructive feedback. Uh, the uh, that kind of stuff is always really useful. Uh, and uh, shout out to uh, Bay Art J who killed me in the. Um, <laughs> uh, in the uh, slicer uh proving grounds uh like twice in three matches on friday with the most hilarious ecm slicer fit <laughs> i'll uh i'll shout out yan uh even though i haven't been playing much i've chatted with him a bit and had a few phone calls and uh yeah good good dude good corp mate good friend um always appreciate him and uh feel like recognizing that is it's one of the things within our that makes Eve, you know, pretty special. The friendships kind of go outside of the game too. So, good dude, I really appreciate him. I guess uh, shout out to all the Blink boys. Modular restrictions are coming for your asses. <laughs> nice. It's Tony, you got one. Uh, sure, yeah, I'll shout out Bayaj too for also killing me with uh, ECM slicer. Me and Jebby. 
But uh, also because I think they've been, they've been actually streaming some of the... I think they streamed yesterday a, a 10v10 practice match. So uh, it's really cool to see them uh, broadcasting these 10v10s much in the same way that the uh, 5v5 scrims channel also uh, was super awesome on Twitch. So I'm glad to see them uh, putting it out there and letting just a casual audience see it because there's a ton of fun to be part of it. Nice, yeah. My shout-out is, uh, is for our Patreon supporters. So I'll just go down the list real quick. Uh, Alexander Christie, January Valentine, Corey Eagle, Khan, Stenosis, Cialis, Binary Seder, Mr. Hyde, and Zlorb. And thanks, thanks so much, you guys. Uh, your continued support is super appreciated. And that's the show. So tune in next time. And uh, just remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's about how you use it.